this dependency on God and this this joy and suffering, all these things just spoke to me so profoundly and made me question myself. It was nothing that was said to me, it was just watching them be a Christian. Hey guys, it's Brooke and Adam. We're here again. This week we got Benedict. Yeah, he's awesome. Sweet, yeah. sweet kid. Benedict is from Germany and he's been in the States for about a year. Yeah, so if nothing else, I mean, you want to listen for the God story, but if nothing else, listen for his little accent because it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Super cool. Super cool. This is the Unseen Story, first-hand accounts that reveal God's love and power in the lives of his children. What God has done for our storytellers, he lives to do for you. You're listening to Benedict's story, A Walk of Faith. Yeah, I'm Benedict. I'm from Germany. I've been in America for for a little over a year. As a German, as I'm supposed to, I'm very passionate about soccer. But also, I think the main thing about myself is that I'm trying to shepherd people. And I think that's something that God has put on my heart and that, that affects every everything that I am, everything that I do. I think we're probably could start this story. Um, it's just by an analogy that me and a friend and I his name is Sam. We talked about a lot um, when I was hiking in Spain. I'll come to that later. Um, we said life is like baseball. I mean, especially in America, that analogy makes sense because once that first pitch is thrown, like the whole game changes by the way this pitch is thrown and by the way the ball is hit, by the way all the players move on the field. There's just such a interdependency in life of actions that we make and decisions that we make, next steps we take. So I grew up in the Christian church in Germany, um, very traditional, and the church in Germany is weirdly connected with their government, um, which is a blessing to see in America how that is not the case. So that is very new. Um, Never heard really of the Holy Spirit. Um, All these things weren't touched on. Um, sang our songs with the organ, which is not bad at all. I played the organ myself even for a little bit. <laughs> but that, that was kind of the vibe the church was going for. Um, and my brother and I, when we were 14, 15, started a youth service, which was pretty modern. We kind of like oriented ourselves at Hillsong and all those things. And we got rid of all the old wooden benches in the church, got to clean it all out, tried to make it like very modern um, which was not welcomed in the church, and ultimately we ended up leaving because of that. Um, so did my parents. Um, we left. We left the faith. So, being fourteen and being in that old traditional church, I did not have a I have a very real picture of what being a Christian looks like, how you live it out, and. I don't want to speak badly about the church that I was in. That's not my intention. Um, but it was not portrayed to me how that can look like and what you can do for that. And So being a Christian was more of a doing word um, than it was a being word. Um, and that's what normally makes Christianity so special. Every other worldview gives you something to think, to feel, or to do. And Christianity used to something to be. But that distinction wasn't really made clear to me. So it was more religious, religious acting um, that I did also back there and starting, starting a youth program. It was more religious. 
it was more out of born out of excitement and less out of out of true passion and love for Christ. And then after I finished high school, I uh, ended up going to Peru to this missionary hospital um, that some Germans, a German couple, have started. Myself not being a Christian, I went to a hospital that was founded by missionaries and I helped a couple from Australia that had eight kids. And I, I just went and helped. I, I did their dishes. I, I taught piano to the children. I taught them all the things in school, in their Australian school system. And I lived in this poor village in the Andes with, with cold water, with parasites that I got over and over again. And it was all this, it was a crazy experience. And after three months, though, I was kind of done. And I was like, oh, I experienced the culture. I learned Spanish there. I was like, I may as well go home now. I've kind of experienced what I wanted to experience. But I looked at the missionaries, and it, it may sound very standard, but they were just different. And I was wondering how they managed to just stay here and be so faithful over years and years with eight children where sometimes you don't even have water to do the dishes or it's just so inconvenient. And I was like, what are they do? How do they manage to stay in this inconvenient situation for such a long period amount of time where nothing goes right ever? And this dependency that all the missionaries had working in the hospital or school in that poor village, that just blew my mind. And especially also the, the people, the Peruvians living there. If you do not believe in miracles, it's going to be very hard to live there. And... God provided for those missionaries, and we were going through some rough circumstances. Like, we had a two weeks without water, and there you have eight children that use the restroom for once. You need to do dishes for it because you don't have a dishwasher. Even the dishwasher wouldn't work. Like, nothing works. you got to do laundry. And you're ten people, and they all live in the same house. And they were so happy with it. It was this smile and saying it's all okay that did not make any sense to me. And this dependency on God and this, this joy and suffering, all these things just spoke to me so profoundly and made me question myself and my own values. And it was nothing that was said to me, nothing that I was able to say some, to somebody else. It was just watching them be a Christian because so often like we make Christian a doing word or something to feel or what but often Christian is just to be and that's exactly what they did and that just got to my heart and I ended up reading the Bible every day and praying every every second and minute that I was able to so I, I just couldn't help myself in every situation I was in I just that was what I needed to do and I got baptized in Peru in the cold water of straight from the mountains, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, anyway, trailing back to Peru, I came back home to Germany, um, now being a Christian. Um, and my mom already has had found this new church that was, in Germany, you would call it non-denominational. Um, so not connected to the government, very modern. Um, still had a great sense for tradition, which I value too. 
and in the matter of two weeks I was I was able to lead youth with them I got my own projects and I just felt so at home and had made made so many new friendships and deep connections that until this day are going to be friendships till till the very end and um, I was able to start my own youth services again now being 19 and it was just an awesome ride and I started studying economic engineering though because I had a I just was very interested in numbers logic business um, also was a thing that my dad studied but I was so involved in church um, and people were just so involved in my life from church and individual people separately came to me and told me hey I just I just got this picture of you with the bible and a sword in sword in your hand and we think you like you should think about that and the way we see you in church it just makes so much sense seeing you like that we we see you being a shepherd and a pastor for other people and um it was not just one person so they all came to me individually without ever talking to each other so I was like oh man this is inconvenient like I had I had this all, whole plan three years bachelor and then you do this and this but I was so in love with the church and I'm a hundred percent or nothing person I was like okay dude you fell in love with Jesus you you just gotta go for that so I quit started an internship at my church um, and enrolled to study theology so in Germany you can't just like switch your courses or anything you, you just quit and start at zero so I had the summer break until my fall semester started, and I ended up hiking 300 miles from France to Spain. It's a pilgrimage called the Camino de Santiago, um, which is the pilgrimage of St. James. And for example, um, Brian Zond, I think here people know him, he did that like two weeks after I, after I did it. And my goal going there was just being in solitude. I didn't want anybody to go with me or anything. It was just spending time with God, reading the Bible, praying, and just walking. Very boring, walking every day, 15 miles daily, and just figuring it out. I, I had no idea what I was doing. I had, my backpack was way too big. I packed too many things. But I was just ready to just walk every day. Um, not knowing that the second day I was going to walk into a girl that now is my wife. I saw her, she was limping, and I just asked her how she was doing, if I was able to do anything for her. And we ended up talking every day and walking every day. And I think one of the blessings of the Camino, we just walk, and it's just such a feeling of every day takes care of itself. You don't know where you at what hostel you're going to end up at the next day or where you're going to eat the next day, all these things. But they're just on the way. And the blessing of that is that you just don't overthink. And it, the noise that you normally feel every day just becomes so quiet. And you can just feel yourself again and you just feel in tune with the spirit and you, you trust your own decision-making again. Um, so we just said, hey, we, we should get married. And that was like after a week and we did that. We just like if you walk with a person for 10 hours a day, you talk a lot about very, very intimate things. That why, like, of course, it seems ridiculous to say you get married after just a short period amount of time. But I got such deep insights and I gave her such deep insights that 
you would have to go on a lot of dates to ever meet a person that closely. Um, but we met pretty pretty quickly on the Camino, and we had a lot of miles to to walk with each other. Um, but the beauty of the Camino is that it's supposed to resemble life. Um, you start in France, and you have to cross the the mountains, the Pyrenees, and it's just exciting. It's you're you just started. You're young, like you still have a lot of energy, and that's supposed to resemble your youth. And you can climb all these mountains, and it doesn't really affect you. You've just had like three or four days under your belt, and you can't feel your feet yet, and your back's still okay from the backpack. Um, and then at one point in the on the Camino, you reach this part, which is called the Meseta, and everything is just straight and boring, and most people try to skip it. Um, and the sun is just beating down on you in the summer, and that's supposed to like resemble your 30s till your 50s, 60s. We're just life is a little more steady, and maybe you're asking yourself, oh, "What am I doing?" There's nothing really going on, no ups and downs. It's just going straight for a very long time, and then in the end, you come to Finisterre, which is where the sun goes down, and you sit at the ocean. You finally reach, like you walk all across Spain, and you reach, you reach the ocean, and that's supposed to resemble death, where the sun finally goes down and you arrived. Uh, I can feel now these these different stages. They also, I mean, they're for the big picture of life, but they're also for little things that you do. I came home from that, went to church camp where where a lot of miracles happened, and where where I, I I'm still pondering on it if if that had anything to do with me spending so much time in solitude. And but it was just beautiful to come back from from such an experience. But um, before that, I was able to come visit my my girlfriend Sarah. I'm in America for just a week or two. Flew back, studied. She came. We flew to London. Our parents met, and then it was March last year, and everything got a little crazy, and for all of us. And Trump just announced that he was going to close the borders on Europe. And I had my flight booked for the day that the borders were supposed to be closed. And I called my dad and asked him, hey, what do you think I should do? I have this I have this flight booked, but I do not know what's going to happen if I jump on it. And he gave me two options, two outcomes. He said, you're either going to be packing your suitcase and you're going to come back home very quickly. Or you're packing your suitcase right now and you're not going to come back home. And after that phone call, I went on a long walk and was just reflecting on whether love is supposed to be safe or not. Because in life, I think we get we get moments where we get to decide who we want to be. Um, of course, we do that in in our daily life with every everything that we decide. But it was that moment in the baseball game where I had the ball in my hand and I was the pitcher, and I was able to decide: Am I going to throw this? And the game just takes a completely different turn. Or do I just keep it with me and the game just stays the same. I stay on my turf, stay in Germany, and the game gets a lot safer. Um, but is love supposed to be safe? I don't think so. I was, I was pondering a lot about how Jesus must have felt deciding to, um, to come down to us and to, to leave his 
to leave his safe place, to leave everything that he knows, to leave to leave his loved ones, um, and to come to us. And I think I felt very encouraged just by Jesus's example to to just go and to leave behind security and to embrace to embrace chaos. Um, so I jumped on the plane. I arrived in March five hours before Trump closed the border, half an hour before he announced national emergency state. Picked up my suitcase and walked towards my fiance back at the time. And we hugged and we got our coffee and everything seemed to be fine until <laughs> like a day after, of course, um, lockdown was announced, my flight got canceled, everything got a little bit more crazy. But as we can see it in the Bible a lot and in scripture and maybe in our daily lives, things with God go from chaos to structure. And he has a he has a beautiful way of getting a hold of all these things that are flying around midair and he puts them in the right places. And I, I think the beauty of my story, what, I, what I'm experiencing right now is things being put back into the right places. Now, after having this passion in the beginning for economic engineering and business, but ministry, and back then for me it was a dualism, you can either do one or the other. Now I'm doing an internship with my pastor and I get to do business and ministry at the same time. The thing that was chaotic before now is being made one. I get to see my family again. The thing that hurt for over 12 months after my wife and I got married, my parents weren't there, my friends weren't, like there's so much pain and suffering in that. I now finally get to that gets to be made whole again and I get to see my family again. There's so much beauty in the way that God has has steered my story and the way he's shepherded it. And I think the the moral of it, probably the thing that I want to emphasize the most is dependency on God became so miraculous for me and so important for me because God has just proved himself to be so utterly reliable but also so utterly unpredictable I've had so many prayers and I never had these where I just was able to whisper help before that I was so energized and climbing all these mountains and my prayers were so eloquent and with such a strong voice and all of a sudden I came here and I cried a lot I know it was I felt misplaced I felt like a stranger there wasn't a lot of joy there was spiritual tastelessness I didn't know where I wasn't able to feel God anymore but ultimately I was always able to just whisper help and that sometimes was the strongest prayer I probably I ever prayed and that is how spiritual life sometimes is we sometimes just God as the mother puts us as a baby down and we have to take the first steps and it just we lose that taste that we get from the mother and we're not nourished by it anymore and we get dried out and we ask ourselves gosh what am I doing wrong am I like did my spiritual life change or did I take make the wrong pitch in my in my baseball game it's just this dependency that I can I can explore looking back of God just being so utterly dependent and steering my story and just just telling me at this moment like right now 
where I am at this moment that things are going to be okay and that he is helping me and that I am at the right place and he's put, that he's putting things back into the, into the right place. And I think it just also shows me that we're all just here for a certain period amount of time and we can make it count or we don't. And we can participate in the game of baseball and we take a risk and we, we throw a ball that phew, we don't know how that's gonna go. Um, but right, we can just, just use our time that we have here. Sweet kid. I mean, he's so young and so wise. Um, I just keep thinking about that powerful statement he made of chaos to order. And I feel like that is such a pattern in his life. You know, the church that he was at was kind of, uh, I don't know, it was kind of a, a chaotic journey for him. And then to go to Peru and be with the missionary family and see their simplistic joy in the midst of what looks like chaos to an outside world. To me, that order is the joy that they had um, mm. in the midst of that chaos. And he found Christ there again. You know, he found his faith again and probably more powerful than ever before. And then a little bit of chaos again, having to switch majors because he can't do a dual um, degree. And so then he goes and takes a very simplistic, very ordered walk. And it changes everything. He like has these chaotic moments in life, and then boom, God brings order into his life through the choices that he makes in obedience to seeking Christ first. And mm. to me, that just, that pattern resonates through that story, and I, I just love it. Mm. And it gives me so much hope for what we are going through right now, for Afghanistan, for Haiti, for just the brokenness in the world right now um, that just looks so chaotic. And if I'm not careful, can really cause mm. me to, it can try and rob me of my peace. Mm. But it's not going to pull up here. <clears throat> one thing I thought about was the... He starts with a religious experience in church at 14 or 12, 13, 14. Yeah, young. He, he's in that church, traditional church, more of a religious environment. And often a religious environment, we've had experience with that. Mm. It can be about knowing all the facts, Yeah, knowing the Bible, uh, which is a good thing. Yeah. But there's a difference in knowing uh, the the facts about Jesus, so to speak, versus knowing him and mm. walking with him. Mm -hmm. And he talked about his soon-to-be wife, how walking with her every day, all day, how much, how in a week oh, they learned yeah. a tremendous amount about one another. Mm. So I thought that was also a picture of the difference between uh, religion uh, versus relationship. Well, and two, it's such a beautiful picture of a romance story. I mean, it really is a romance story. He's uh, not only is it a romance story and how he meets his wife, 
Um, but it's also a romance story in how he comes to fall in love with Christ again in a completely new and different way. Mm. Yeah. So. The chicks will dig it. <laughs> what? The chicks will dig it. Chicks are going to dig what exactly? <laughs> the romance. The romance story. Oh, his romance story. Yes. Okay. There you go. Uh, chicks. Never mind. <laughs> I hope you dug it. <laughs> the ladies will like it. The ladies right. will like the room. We love you guys. Thanks for joining. Yeah. Reach out, email us, message us, leave a review. Uh, unseenstory.org. That's the website. Uh, share our stories. Uh, that would be helpful. Any of that would be amazing. Um, yep. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. The Unseen Story is a nonprofit that relies on financial support from listeners like you. Please visit our website, theunseenstory.org, to find out how you can partner with us today.